In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you this week. <laughs> Brought to you this week by all of the felons in France. Welcome in to episode 22 of the Gospel Friends. I'm David. I'm Chase, and I do not get your intro. I'm Nick, and I'd like an explanation as well. Yes, well, I wouldn't have got it either had I not read it on the internet. But uh, and that means it has to be. It true. has to be true. I don't know if you guys know in the uh, American lingo, like if you want to warn your buddies about the cops, you say "fivo." Yes, you, you sure. Know, like, uh, well, in France, it's twenty-two. Oh, yeah. I don't believe you. Well, we do have believe the internet, Nick. If you, yeah, because that's always gone so well. The interwebs do not lie to you. I saw a Victoria Osteen video that makes me not believe the internet. <laughs> well, someone from France can call in and tell us whether or not they that's true. Viva la say. Well, I have an appropriate joke for us. I don't actually know oh, any idea what that, that means. That I just <coughs> viva la what? La David just I just said viva la say. I don't know what that means either. Yeah. Why is Thor's brother always overlooked is my joke. Why is oh, Thor's brother Loki? Bec- yes. Always overlooked. Correct. I don't know. Because he's low-key. Kind of like us at the beginning of this show. So we have to kind of get it uh, up a little bit. We're not we're not in the game yet, um, fellas. Uh, that was uh, – I'm not sure that, that ranks right below the constipation joke. The constipation <laughs> joke was epic. Well, no one's mentioned Magic Mike yet, so. And thank um, God for that. Wait, oh! I think that counts. <laughs> I think it does, too. All right, quick. Carp. Someone. <laughs> You're welcome, Carp. Rachel. Plorp. Someone. Someone. What get... are the things we do at the beginning of the show? Oh, yeah, Nick tells everybody how to get in touch with us. I don't I know was why like, I was... would want to at See... this point. But... <laughs> I was... See you in a minute, Emmanuel. I was... <laughs> I was thrown off by the felony. All right. If you would like to contact us and request or offer different ways to introduce the show, you can reach out to us on uh, the Twitter. Sorry, Manuel, again. Wait, you're not listening. Never mind. At My Gospel Friends, um, the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Hall of Dogma. So this is how you feel. That is awesome. What, how I feel? Yeah. Oh, because I went into my phone? Absolutely. That yeah. is delightful. Okay. I started the timer, so I know how long the show goes. Well, look, I know you're doing work. David doesn't ever understand that because um, all I have to be on him. see who he's texting. Well, I, I actually am texting the general. Hey, oh, on. general. Yeah. Um, Facebook.com slash group slash Hall of Dogma. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail um, inside the U.S., you can call 205-575-9735. International listeners can reach us at speakpipe.com slash the gospel, friends. Um, Chase, do you want to take over this next note here? Yeah, so uh, eventually we're going to bribe you guys to do this, but today <laughs> we're just going to ask you out of the kindness uh, of your heart to check us out on iTunes. All you got to do is uh, Google The Gospel Friends. I believe the first result is generally going to be our iTunes page for the show. If you guys uh, could leave us some reviews there, here's what, here's why that helps. The more reviews you have on iTunes, the more five stars in particular, but the more reviews you have, the higher up we'll appear in searches and things like that, and the more people will reach. So it's not just you know kind of for our own uh, – 
our own glory that we ask you to review us on iTunes. It just helps the show permeate uh, the audience in a deeper sort of way. I was actually looking around the hall of Dogma Broadcast Center to try to see what we have that we could give away. Um, We have an empty two-liter Diet Mountain Dew bottle over in the corner. We have a Christian flag that looks really nice. We do have a Christian flag um, next to the American flag. and um, We we have that old mic stand of yours, Chase. We do have that. We have some of those blue Sunday school chairs. Um, Here's a sucker stick. And why do we have ashes down on the floor? (laughs) That's not good. That was from the attack earlier this week from the Legion of Evil where we uh, actually had to destroy somebody. Oh, that's what's left of them? Yes. In real life. Did Nuke go off? Well, I was going to say, in real life, supervillains, you know, they get put down when they come to the Hall of Dogma. Or someone brought a pipe up here. One of the two things. Smoke if you got them. One of the two. We haven't had a smoke episode top. yet. Um, <laughs> I know. We likely won't. Gospel, the gospelfriends.com slash subscribe also has a link to the iTunes page. Yeah, awesome. So, guys, right. what's on tap for today? What are we talking about? Well, we are going to uh, discuss an issue given to us by our friend Brad Melton, um, where he asked last week, I believe, um, to if we would have a discussion uh, topic of um, entrepreneurial tent making versus full time mission support raising. Which one is the uh, correct approach? And uh, so we're gonna we're gonna try to tackle that today. That's good, Nick. What's your main topic for the day? Well, I was actually um, reading about the exploits of our good friend Kirk Cameron, um, and uh, he has the Christmas movie coming out later this year, and then. Um, article on Christian Post this week. Um, Kirk Cameron, Christians should have the biggest party on the block for Halloween. And there was also a discussion I saw in the Hall of Dogma. So we're going to talk about those two things. Awesome. And my topic is real gospel friendships, how we in the church can go beyond just kind of surface shaking people's hands every Sunday morning and having small talk into what constitutes a real relationship. Friends, friends forever. Well, we were going to play that as the intro to it, oh, but sorry. since you sang it, I guess that's that's gotten it out of the way. Well, without further ado, guys, the moment that you have all been waiting for mm-hmm. each and every week, what were you thinking? Global Edition. The game oh, we're that back to the always globe. gets us in trouble with the censors and our more um, godly listeners. <laughs> Most well, likely. So you, so everyone who finds this segment funny, you just called them carnal and in need of You were making enemies salvation. early. Well, I mean, that's Why, one of the things Chase? we do on the show is <laughs> make we enemies. make enemies. One Somebody the, in the Hall of Dogma said this week, I think it was Elijah, said that we should do a show that just focuses on making enemies. Yes, he did. He gave us some suggested topics. He did. Look, if we wanted to vaccinations, do that, we could. Young Earth. Oh, Evolution. please, let's talk about vaccinations. Please, please, please. Anyway, I literally laughed out loud at Elijah's post. Good job, buddy. Chase, I have four topics tonight. Probably won't get to all of them. So we're going to pretend they're each behind a door. Door number one, nice. two, three, and four. Like Monty Hall. Yes, I'm going to allow you to choose the first door. You shouldn't allow me because according to uh, another thing we'll talk about later on, you and I talk too much. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> kind of squeeze Nick out. We'll get I was Nick. planning on just not saying anything tonight. You're to my right. I'm right-handed. I always go that way. Fair enough. Go ahead. Go ahead. Which All right. Way? I'll take door number two. Door number two. Appropriately enough, door number two. A stool bank in Massachusetts will pay you $40 a, a day for your poo. A what bank? A stool bank. Will pay for what? <laughs> your poo. 
Well, you remember the part earlier when I said that the, our more godly listeners struggle with this segment? Well, this is one of the reasons why. Hey, and for the record, none of us uh, – I got it. We're good. We, we're we good. got it. We got the movie right along. It was behind the I know. That was, okay. that was really clever. Um, by the way, listeners to the show, Nick and I don't know what we're going to talk about kind of going in. This is a surprise that David springs on us. So there's a <clears throat> stool bank – yeah, so it's uh, oh, it's that you just showed um, me a picture of. Oh, no, it's just a picture of a bomb. By the way, my wife approved this story. Uh, I was trying to decide between this and something else, and my wife suggested this. So. Her many years God of being help us married to, to you has apparently blasted she, her. Apparently, she's not one of the more godly listeners. to discern. <laughs> but anyway, Massachusetts residents can now make a. Have modest... you told your brother-in-law and his friends? No. <laughs> No, I haven't, but I bet that. Because, I mean, he, he used to send you some degree now. of sample. Massachusetts <laughs> residents can now make a modest living out, out of, number two, by donating a sample uh, to a stool bank called Open By Orn, uh, who is willing to offer volunteers $40 per deposit. <laughs> <laughs> what? They will pay you $40 per deposit. It's all for a good cause. The samples will be used for, um, <laughs> well, the samples will be used. <laughs> I've never actually heard of this. Uh, the th- well, be careful saying it. Well, no, it's just the samples will be used. Okay, this sounds serious. Okay, let's let's get serious for a moment. Oh I, yeah. Let's this, okay, I'm going to read you the I'm going to read you the sentence. The stool samples will be used for fecal transplants. Okay. To oh, fight the deadly wow. superbug C. Difficile. Thank you. Okay, so here's I actually know about this. <laughs> Captain WebMD. <laughs> so here's the situation. Uh, oh, this kills fourteen thousand Americans per year. Difficile is one of the uh, uh, the worst hospital acquired infections you can get. It's notoriously difficult to treat. It does kill a lot of people every year. Um, and this is a true story. One of the chief ways to treat this terrible illness is to take people's yeah. Stool, as you say, put it into gelatin, gelatin caps and swallow it, well, uh-uh. which is something that – Are that you serious? I am not kidding. And oftentimes you will take it from a – and, and I'm, this is also true. Often It's a fecal transplant. That's what they call it. You will get it from uh, a close relative or perhaps your, your spouse or something like that. <laughs> And, and you I'm take sorry. these transplants, and, and it is one of the few things that's effective. Oh. Antibiotics hardly ever touches uh, Clostridium difficile. Okay, well, this is serious. Patients with reoccurring episodes are ill for several months and only have a 75% chance of survival. Uh, in order to be a donor, you need to be between 18 and 50. We're, we're cool there. Um, have regular movements and be willing to make 30-minute trips every day to the laboratory in Massachusetts. 30 minutes? At least four that's donations a, a week are mandatory. How many? Uh, at least four. So, so you can get $160 a week. Can you If do you more? choose to register as a donor, if you come in five days a week, you could receive an extra $50. So you could do more. So really, I mean, now you're going to need to invest in Raisin Bran. And once you do that, you know, so you're out that box, whatever, was that 316 something That's, like that? You could $4. almost make $1,000 a month going pay to for, the bathroom. You got to pay for gas down there and back. I mean, look. Where was this again? Massachusetts. Massachusetts. I mean, you you you're you're getting paid to do something, do something that everybody that else, everybody does, for else free. does for free. Yep. I'd like to point out, for the record, Emmanuel. Right now, I'm not talking because I'm being forced out of the conversation. Right now, I'm talking because you're not. Talking I'd this. have to edit again. <laughs> well, 
I guess we'll move on from that. Uh, but, uh, hey, you know, for those of you in Massachusetts looking to make an extra buck, there you go. Well, this Bucks. is a strong start. Where do we go from here? Nick, door number uh, one, three, or four. Anywhere but here. Uh, let's go three. We'll go three. Door number three is from Korea. The new KFC Double Down is out uh, at KFC Korea. Oh, boy. Uh, the uh, KFC Double Down, guys, is a sandwich. Uh, let me try to paint the picture for you here. Um, rather than buns, it is two fried chicken patties. I wanted to try this. In the middle is a uh, hamburger oh, uh, covered in bacon, barbecue oh. sauce, and a special special sauce, and it's called the KFC Korea Double. I don't know about the hamburger inside, but they um, did want something like this in the, in the States a couple years back. Double Down. Or as we know it here in the states, the heart attack special. Now look, it, this is only God. We've all eaten <clears throat> Supposedly, it only has seven hundred fifty calories. I, I saw that. That's I, not bad. I, that that has to be a misprint because it's two fried. That's what I'm saying. For, for that much grease, that's pretty good calorie count. All right, I want to show you guys something real quick. All right, look, here is the KFC picture. Yes. Okay. Now, and I think we. I'll try to put these. We've got to ultimately get this to be a video show because our, our yeah. listeners at home can't but actually now look, see this. Look at the actual picture from someone who ate one. Yes. How do you even hold that together? Oh my. I don't know. But uh, It I, still looks delicious. Here's the thing. I would eat it in a heartbeat. This looks You're good. You're also the and peanut butter burger guy though. Many heartbeats Dude, after I ate that. The peanut, butter, the peanut butter burger at Mugshots downtown was phenomenal. That's just suspicious to me. I have also peanut butter on a burger. I have also been dying to try. You know, across uh, ballparks across America now, it's very popular to eat the uh, the hamburger, bacon, cheeseburger, um, and the bun is a Krispy Kreme donut. And I I have wanted to try, try that for quite some time. So, also, not particularly appealing to me. You would not eat that. I would try it, I guess. I mean, look, I love Krispy Kreme donuts. I have some stupid friend who claims that Dunkin' Donuts are superior, and I cannot believe. Such claims. So, so I would try it, but uh, I'm skeptical. Has that friend ever been a host on this show? He has. Mm. All right, guys, to uh, to uh, kind of wrap up here from um, from London on the advice. Is this of, number one or number four? <clears throat> uh, this is uh, this was number one. Uh, woman, Does it involve number one? <clears throat> nope. Woman Sorry. tries to sell imaginary friend on eBay. Nice. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my god. Is this more profitable than selling your poo at a at a stool I clinic? I don't. I, I thought you know we 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 had a story a few weeks back where the guy um, made uh, his amputated leg into a lamp and tried to sell that on eBay. And you can't sell body parts, but apparently you can sell imaginary friends. On the advice of her shrink, twenty-two-year-old Londoner Georgia Horrocks is trying to declutter her mind by selling her imaginary friend on eBay. I have recently come to the decision that it's time to sell my friend Bernard, who was created during a time of emotional instability. <laughs> Which she's obviously fine now, selling imaginary friends on eBay. Well, actually, here's a picture of her eating dinner with Bernard. <laughs> Which is, um, Oh, my. Uh, by the way, is, is her at a table um, talking to an empty chair that has a plate of food in front of it. Well, it's just great that she's back to normal. Now, here's the thing I would say. Um, oh, wow. She, I, I, you know, you oh would think, my. okay, you're just trying to sell, you know, anything. But she actually says that uh, although she would like some financial compensation, it is most important to her that she find Bernard a good home. <laughs> well, let's get him. He is. At, oh my gosh. Well, before we, I, I thought Put about him in the that. Hall of I had thought about that because at least maybe he could clean up around here because well, it's, it's, it's we, we wouldn't have ashes on the floor. 
But now he, she says is the that, auction still up. She says he is active and mischievous, and I'm not sure if we need a mischievous imaginary. Well, he person would fit right in with the Hall of Dogma. The Hall of Dogma. Well, you know, there have been people that have claimed the Hall of Dogma Church is haunted. And so, what if we bought Bernard and crazy stuff really started happening? She well, does say too. More um, crazy stuff. It's uh, fair if, enough. If you do go out, I don't know if any of the if any of the listeners want to get Bernard. Um, she is uh, free shipping. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, I mean, what, what do you get? Can, can you? Does Bernard come in a box? Uh, he's being delivered uh, via imagination, I guess. I, I oh, don't, come on, that's I ridiculous. Know. I don't know. If I'm going to spend, and she's got him bit listed for three hundred dollars. She does. If I'm going to spend three hundred dollars for a, an imaginary person, I want. This a is somebody who really wants an iPhone six. What do you? I'm just what do you, you want a box? Like an empty box? Well, I want something from that person. Otherwise, my imagination. I will sell you my imaginary friend for three. <laughs> I think Nick just. <laughs> The Nick, noise you've just Nick, heard. Nick just you. Nick, is Nick <laughs> dumping all of our stuff out of a box and handing it to Okay, me. we have an empty box. Hey, wait, 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 wait. That's mine. No, no, I no. bid on it. I'm going to close it up and Quit. sell you who's in it for $300. You're like, now you're tearing it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, well, I now have won Bernard, so I hope I make the news. Well, I hope he doesn't do anything around your house. He's mischievous. Bernard, clean up. Mr. Nick just made a net mess in the corner with all of our stuff. Why are you pointing at me? Because it's your time. Now it's time for... No, actually, it's time to play the game. I know. Oh. I was giving that dramatic pause to let the sound effect go in. But we had agreed that much. you were going to say the you game. You were supposed to say, it's time to play the game. It's time to play the game. That was much better. The impossible scary game. So this is a game, guys, where... Not just impossible, but scary. It's impossible and scary, and every question has some element that's slightly scary to it. Uh, That is because in the United States, of course, we are heading out towards Halloween, which I guess is a, a holiday that's celebrated around the world. So... Every part, uh, every question that you get today, and there's 10 of them, is scary in some way. And we're going to have to move fast so we can get to all of them. We will start with Nick because he doesn't talk too much. Nick, to you, what fruit or vegetable was typically carved before the pumpkin? Halloween hasn't always been about carving a pumpkin. Before that, we carved a different vegetable. Was it A, an onion, B, a watermelon, C, a turnip, D, a squash, or E, an antelope? An antelope's not a vegetable, is it? Well, it depends on who you ask. Okay. See, I would want to say it's an onion, but I don't know how you would carve an onion well. I'm going to go with onions just because of the, the presumed relation to vampires. Nice try. The answer is, in fact, the humble turnip, huh. which was carved as a jack-o'-lantern before pumpkins. By the way, I think that's actually garlic, isn't it? Oh, you're right. Yeah, Good so, call. Never mind. Um, you need to change that out because if I would hate for you to get eaten by a vampire. Thank you. Thank you. Because well, you, tried to, you tried to throw onions at them, and they were just Not like, bad. why are you throwing onions at me? Well, hey, let's say I've want to suck, I've want Nick to suck was your blood. eaten by a vampire or, say, killed by Bernard for dumping stuff into the Hall of Dogma. <laughs> Who would be our next choice for host? Oh, that's, a, that's a safe game to play. Yeah. Well, let's, probably, let's talk off air like our last week meeting. Okay, I'm number two. Sure I'm comfortable <laughs> with this right now. 
Number two, to you, David, in terms of commercial success, where does Halloween rank in the United States of America? Is it A, first, B, stop texting, I mean B, second, C, third, or D, 17th, right after Arbor Day? Do you need me to repeat the question, <laughs> Mr. Texty? I actually First, need second, to. third, no. or Arbor Day, really? Wait, what's the question? In terms of commercial success, Dave, where does Halloween rank in America? Dave, A, first, um, B, second, C, third, D, 17th, right after Arbor Day. I'm going to say second behind Christmas. Okay, that's a good guess, and it is actually correct. And I now have your phone, and you now have my Diet Mountain Dew. Okay, trade. Hostage oh, my. Okay, so David is winning one. Never would I ever have thought you could exchange an iPhone 6 Plus for a Diet Mountain Dew. Well, I, I have to have the Diet Mountain Dew. Oh, it needs to be on a real carrier to matter. Okay, um. here's a very scary question, perhaps the scariest one of all for you, Nicholas. Of these, and this is also a bit of a downer, too. Oh, good. Thanks. Of these causes of death in Africa oh since gosh. March, where is yeah. Ebola? And here are the causes of death. HIV. Malaria, hunger, tuberculosis, syphilis, Ebola. Of those causes of death, is Ebola in the middle, the bottom two, or the top two? I did say it was a scary quiz. I can't think of anything scarier than Ebola. Is Ebola amongst the top two, bottom two, or in the middle of those causes of death? HIV, AIDS, uh, malaria, hunger, tuberculosis, syphilis, Ebola. I'm going to say middle. That is a good guess. It is, in fact, at the bottom. Is it really? Okay. Since the breakout, yeah. Ebola has killed 4,400 people, whereas in Africa, HIV slash AIDS has killed 620,000. See, I knew that there, that was yeah. head and shoulders above the rest, but I wasn't sure. I was thinking maybe it, yeah. It's, I mean, it's been around, but it's still relatively new in the outbreak. So Yes. And it seems to be dying down, which I suppose is a bit of good news to give a happy ending to that question. Number four. To you, David. As it invades our shores. Yes, I, I feel very happy. <laughs> Good. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into a happier place with this question. Okay. You're leading one to nothing. The mask, worn, the mask worn by Michael Myers in the famous scary movie Halloween is a representation of whose face? Is it A, your mom, <laughs> B, Count Dracula, C, Dr. Frankenstein, D, Jack the Ripper, or E, Captain Kirk? Uh, wow. Um, well, I don't think they actually know what Jack the Ripper looks like. Um, I love my mom, so it wasn't her. Uh, that is a good answer. That keeps it from being her. Who else was it besides Captain Kirk? Count Dracula, Dr. Frankenstein, or Captain Kirk? Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk is correct. Look, it was just well so done. Off, it was so off the wall that I just thought, why not? Now hey, I want well, to look. Thing, I knew it was a famous actor, and I couldn't remember off the top of my head, but when you named the character, I was, yeah. They bought a Captain Kirk mask at a, at a costume store. It was the cheapest one, spray-painted it white, and that's what he wears. So that's two points wow. to you. Number five. Awesome. I'm Googling that as we to speak. To you, Nicholas, a musical question. Which of the acts, these acts have more Billboard number one hit songs? Which of these acts have more Billboard number one hit songs? Is it A, Ricky Martin, B, Pink Floyd, C, The Police, D. Paul McCartney, E. Captain Cadaver from the Hall of Dogma, or F. John Schneider 
of the Duke boys. Please let it not be John Schneider. Just a good old Now, do we mean as themselves or groups they've as been involved in? As themselves or groups they've been involved in. So, which act? So, I, I, Beatles I'm, for Paul I've McCartney I've got to go with McCartney. Out. Oh, okay, never mind. If so we're not counting solo B. for Paul McCartney. Name him one more time. Ricky Martin, Pink Floyd, The Police, Paul McCartney, Captain Cadaver, or John Schneider, which has more of those Billboard individuals. I'm going to have to go with Ricky Martin. Ricky Martin is a good guess. Unfortunately, he has one. John Schneider. Are you serious right now? The Duke Boys, the Dukes of Hazard, back in the day, had four country number one hits that I don't, topped the Billboard chart. I don't, That's quite a picture of Michael Myers. That to Gertz. It is. It's a great. That scares me in and of itself. And it should that? scare you. The reason why that's a scary question is if you YouTube John Schneider singing some of those country songs, it's frightening. He has a big beard and he just sounds kind of funny. And I like the actor. Also, Clark Kent. I mean, uh, uh, Mr. Kent, Jonathan Kent in in Smallville. Well, right. that, what's funny is he. We watched a um, a show on uh, Netflix, and he played this evil country music record exec and he was up there on stage singing i'm like oh look he carried i, I would have never guessed four he, country billboard oh number goodness. one hits for john schneider by the way i guess this would have been um michael myers if they did the captain That's kirk awesome. mask a few years later in life yes they would have all right ooh, david to you ooh, number six we have to pick good. up the pace to get to our serious yeah, stuff. david Sorry. Come on. Don't be True or false, David? The average adult has 10 times more bacteria than human cells living in their body. True. True is correct. That's three points for you. Over to you, Boom. Nick. This is actually a difficult one. Sorry, I was being Gus Mazan. Please refrain from being him on our show. Thank okay. you. Number seven. What was the first movie, Nick? Okay, I think f- we should all be in. <laughs> no winners on the gospel, friends. Well, um... What was the first movie to feature a toilet flushing on screen? Wait just a second. Are you serious? Okay. Quit texting. <laughs> oh, I was doing like a... If you can't pay attention to the show, David, hey, I'm doing something. I'm going to hard... I have, I have bre- late breaking news. He was oh, casting. Okay. He was... No, we're not talking about that. Okay, go ahead. He was harkening back to the Iron Bowl of 2013. Yes, I know what he was doing. All right, go ahead. Go. Disgusting man. Move forward. What was the first show movie to show a toilet flushing on screen? Was it A Terms of Endearment, B Gone with the Wind, or C Psycho? None of the above. Um The I, first movie to show a toilet flushing. See with it being a scary quiz, I want to go with Psycho. Psycho. Got it. Psycho okay. is the correct answer. You nodded at your head at him when he said, I want to go with Psycho, and you nodded your head. Yeah, I that said, I want to go with Psycho. He's an Alabama fan. <laughs> so three to one, David. In the fairest like the quiz of all, I'm sorry, the scary impossible quiz, uh, I'm going to give you two points for that there, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. Number eight. Here's an appropriate Road question time. for you. The barf used in the movie Exorcist is actually... A, never seen these movies, by the way. You've never seen The Exorcist? No. Well, there's a famous scene where the possessed woman yeah, okay. barfs. I got it. Is it Number A, three. porridge made by the director's wife that was allowed to ferment in the sun for an entire day before use? Is it B, gelatin mixed with vegetables and cold cuts? Is it C, Anderson's pea soup? Or is it D, Dinty Moore canned beef stew with food coloring? I'm going with just because I love it. Denty Moore's beef stew. <laughs> That's a good good guess. It is in fact Anderson's pea soup. Oh, okay. All I right. also love 
I love. More. Have you ever checked the fat content oh, and calories? In world. <laughs> the, that stuff is so unhealthy. More. I don't it, know why. When you open it up, it has this nice big thick layer of fat right on top that um, you know gives it all the flavor. Uh, you wouldn't think there'd be calories in that. You would not think at all. All right, nine uh, number nine to Nick. Um, this I mean, is one we, we can get in trouble with Ten. based on our comments, so we have to be careful. True or false, pregnant women's brains shrink during pregnancy and take six months post-delivery to get back to its previous size. True. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Nick, true or false? I think that is absolutely impossible to consider, David. I'm going to go with false. That is a good guess. It is, in fact, true, and I would encourage us to lead our limit. I hope our y'all's couches are comfortable <laughs> because we know. Um, okay, let's go to number 10. The, How the about man that? who said we should limit our commentary is the one who said the statement. The one who said Number 10. In the 1940s, David, 75 – is this true or false? In the 1940s, 75 percent of Americans claimed they rarely, if ever, dreamed in color. In other words, in the 1940s, America, 75% of Americans claimed they dreamt in black and white. So true, true or false, true. true is the correct answer. That means you win by a high score to a lower score. Well done, Which David. is typically how scoring works. I was rooting against you, but you somehow pulled it off anyway. Alas, uh. roll tide. Now it's time to get to more serious sorts of topics. And since you won, that means we get to do your topic first, does it not? Has anybody checked the AP poll or the coaches poll this weekend? <laughs> oh, I've okay. heard good things about it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, look. Wait a bit. Have it. We're, we're, it David's okay. shaking a little bit. He's mad. He is. I mean, I'm not mad. Honestly, I think it's just it's like it's dumb. But you're vibrating. It's dumb. We're like, of course, it's dumb. It's dumb because Auburn's not ahead. No, because it will all work itself out. We play at the end of the year. You guys talk about football too much. This is the gospel, friends. It's a Christian podcast. Well, I think okay, scariest quiz in the world. People are okay with us talking about football. It's the sad SEC talk that they are. So let's talk. We should talk. Did you guys see the TCU? Score Holy from cow. yesterday, two points. TCU eighty-two. Did they play Texas Tech? Yes, they did. Twenty-seven, I think. I mean, that was, and they even put it on ESPN. They were like, "This is an actual score." I mean, that it wasn't a you know a NCAA EA sports game. It was uh, the SEC Network guys last night were like, "TCU one is margin 72, 75 or something like." And you saw those two hosts kind of look at them, and like thirty seconds later, it was like, "Nope, they scored again." 82. <laughs> it was pretty funny wow. the way they did it. Did y'all see that Washington State game? Uh-uh. I did not. No one else did either. Uh, anyway. Um, hey, wait. Everybody needs to buckle their seatbelts because actually, this is the part of the show where we wildly swerve down from crazy go. road down to serious road. I actually like Mike Leach at Washington State. Okay, now we swerve. Here we go. Speaking of crazy, he's crazy. <laughs> and he loves pirates. Brad Melton, Brad Melton posted a, uh, uh, in the Hall of Dogma a week ago. And just to show, we we care about our listeners. We do. Yeah, so – when you give us a good topic, we're going to run with it. We are indeed. And so, well, not really run, uh, but just, you know, sit up straight. So um, Something. the topic uh, that Brad asked us to dive into was uh, regards to fundraising for the mission field. And um, the question was um, – Entrepreneurial tent making versus full time mission support raising. So, uh, basically, from what I gathered from Brad, and this was uh, apparently kind of a uh, for him. I think he knows some people that are kind of going through this right now and having some discussion among some people that he knows. And so, um, you know, he's he said, "I've got some friends whose opinion is 
You know, if you're going to be a missionary, the correct approach is tent making. And I've got some friends who think, no, you know, it is okay to do full-time fundraising for your mission work. And so what is the correct approach is what he was um, asking us. And so um, that's the question. Go. I was wondering if Chase had a thought. I'll start Go off. Ahead, Nick. Um, <laughs> the general will be thrilled. Um, you know, when you talk to three guys in the room who That's are. That's awesome. What do you think, Chase? <laughs> I'm glad you asked, David. Beautiful. Here's what I think I've got five points to make. <laughs> Wait, are you sure y'all didn't flip the script right there? <laughs> Oh, yeah, we may have. There you go. Okay, go ahead. Chase, I'm not sure what your headphones are doing I right don't now. Either, dude. You've got to fix it. <laughs> you look like a rooster. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Remember, it's a podcast, two, audio only. Two wheels, like two wheels off the road. We're back. Go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, sorry. I'm sure we're all that was, over. That was all my fault. No, Unfortunately, this isn't a serious topic at all, so no, we could be no, goofy. Barely. Oh, wait. Well, look, you know, it didn't have to be a earth shattering topic, but, you know, talking to three guys who are. Um, different levels of ministry in the church we're at, but all to some degree bivocational. Um, you know, obviously, uh, we affirm the idea of, of tent making, but I honestly don't. Um, I, I don't know why I have a. I don't know a reason that I biblically, especially that I would have an objection to a missionary getting support from a congregation um, that wanted to support him. Um, obviously, I wouldn't. You know, I, I would. Um, not I would I would caution against um, a missionary thinking, hey, I'm going to um, raise all my funds, go on the mission field, and just be self sustained without any responsibility to do something if needed. Um, I would kind of go push back on a friend, going, maybe we have the wrong idea about this. Um, but someone who had a fellowship, had a congregation, group of fellowships, maybe a network of churches that wanted to support them. Um, so that they didn't have to do as much tent making while they were out in the field. I don't I don't know that I would have an objection to that practically or or biblically. I think you see um obviously in the New Testament when Paul needs funds, he's not unwilling to do tent making, but I think you you see evidence in the New Testament of um congregations supporting him in him in some tangible ways as well. So um I can't think of a practical or biblical objection. Do, can you think of one? An objection to fundraising. Well, I guess we'll get to one in a minute. Or being uh, funded. Yeah, because Chris uh, Stoddard raised uh, an interesting issue regards in regards to George Mueller in the Hall of Dogma. But I, I will say this. There, there is a – as you said, you pointed to Paul and his uh, his fundraising. Um, you can, right, look at Philippians 1.5. Uh, Paul, Paul says uh, – oh, I'll start with uh, three. I thank my God – in all my remembrance of you, always in prayer uh, of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day till now. Uh, that word, uh, partnership there, is a word, the Greek word koinonia, that we all we generally translate fellowship. But the ESV uses partnership, which I think is absolutely correct because the, when we use the – when the Bible uses the word fellowship – it's really the word partnership. It's 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 talking about a gospel enterprise, and the Philippians supported Paul Quinonia. financially. Is that the word behind? Yeah, Quinonia. The Philippians supported Paul as Paul took the gospel to the known world at the time. So yes, there is precedent for that. 
Um, there, there is precedent for the church supporting short-term missions and long-term missions. In fact, I think we probably should do more of it. The question is, I guess, when is it appropriate? Are there times when people should go on mission trips without support? And how do you know the difference between those two things? Well, and I think, I think that's the you know if someone you know and I, when the question gets asked. What is the correct approach? Then, okay, well, I'm going to say, well, what's the biblical approach? And mm-hmm. in all honesty, I think I, I think you see both. Mm-hmm. Do you not? I mean, it, Paul Paul talks about in, in 1 Corinthians nine. He says, um, speaking to the church in Corinth, he says, um, if we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right. But we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. So Paul talks about there, he, he essentially asserts that they have a, they had a right to kind of seek out material benefit from the people they were serving. Um, or, you know, they have, um, yeah, they had a right to that, but they, they chose not to take advantage of that right. In other words, they, uh, we, we do know he, he made tents in order to, to, you know, to do some support. But in other places in Scripture, Paul raised money for people in need, and um, he raised money and asked some churches for help for some of his mission work. So it, it seems that you see both in Scripture. You see both tent making and you see fundraising for was, for mission work. Was the both. first example not a little bit more of the um, the the what we would call the pastor on staff or the local shepherd? Um, the yeah, I think in that case, it, it, it was probably a little bit of – I'm taking the principle here that, yes, we're, we're talking about missionaries, but look, that's going to spill over into – Absolutely, yeah. That's going to spill over into people working for the, highly, you for the gospel. For the highly contrarian, I just yes. wanted to acknowledge you – know. but, but he did. We do know that he, that he raised funds for – uh, you know, for for churches in poverty, he, right. he he did seek to raise funds for his own mission work in places that he wanted to go. Or at least he wrote letters and talked about, um, you know, re, about those things about uh, about receiving money for mission work. So I, I think you see you see both in um, you know Philippians four. Is that where you were just reading from? I'm sorry, that was Philippians one. Philippians okay, 1. Philippians four. Um, you know, Paul wrote and said, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So there were times where Paul was receiving funds for his work in times where he was tent making. And so what I'm kind of going off of is those things that there's not necessarily a correct biblical, like one of, you know, it's all, it always should be tent making or it always should be mission support raising. Um, Yes, and you know, yes to both. You know, both both are biblical. I think that's where I would land as well. Both are biblical. In the discussion that Brad started in the Hall of Dogma, Chris Studdard from uh, from England wrote this. He said, "Just to be super awkward, may I throw in the George Mueller card? That guy did all his work, never asking for a penny. He built orphan houses and fed thousands, was donated millions, and never asked for a penny. For him, he relied on God for the money and just did what he knew God wanted him to do." Well, let me talk about that for a second. First of all, George Mueller is one of my he- my heroes. I got Hudson Taylor, George Mueller, John Piper. Uh, those are kind of the, the you know, 
maybe a couple other guys. Those are those are Mueller is super important to me. I've read his diaries. I love, love, love George Mueller. And Chris is right. He did so much. He had such a tremendous gospel impact, not just in England, but the entire world. He started orphanages. He and his wife, I think, ultimately cared for over ten thousand orphans. Wow. Um his wife died when he was in his early seventies and he spent um he spent just years and years traveling overseas sharing the gospel uh, even at that age um his his group uh, printed out tracts and stuff like that and he never asked for money he was a pastor of a church never got a salary he hung a box in the back of the church and people gave to it to, to, that was the money for his salary so this was a man of tremendous faith and and I think the thing is, I think the George Mueller model is not only appropriate but very fruitful sometimes. But I will balance that by saying exactly what you said, that biblically there's more than one way to do it. And George Mueller, I think my, – my take on Mueller is that he was a man who had the spiritual gift that Paul calls the gift of faith. He was – in other words, he was spiritually gifted with a higher level of faith – than some other people. That was his spiritual gift. Some people have the gift of teaching. Some people have the gift of shepherding. Some people have the gift of evangelism. I, I This is how I believe spiritual gifts work, that they are supernatural enablings, that when a pe- person has that gift, they are capable of greater things through God, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, greater fruit than somebody that doesn't have that gift. So I think there can be people who do short-term and long-term missions, just like Mueller did, that don't have the gift of faith. And in that case, they may not be able to do it the way he did. What do, y'all got, what do you guys think about that? Well, see, that's, that's actually – I would go – I would go that route. I would say what – you know, uh, agree with you there because – to me, it's I was you know the leading of the spirit. So, you know what makes the difference when Paul sometimes is is allowing people to enter into partnership with him, or at other times, as Nick said, you know maybe he settled in a place and he he did not want to let the people that he settled among um, support him. Although he said that was a right he could have. Right. But he chose to not take advantage of that right so no one could bring a charge against him. But Paul seems to be saying, hey, if I chose to do this or if someone else chose to do this working among you, it would be fine. We have the right to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just chose not to do it. So how do you know in that situation? you think that's situation? a discernment thing? I, I, I do. That's exactly where I was going with it along the lines of what you're saying, maybe a spiritual, you know, God led Mueller to do that. But I don't think you could use that as a guide to say every person who runs an orphanage or every person who seeks to be a missionary, that's the way they need to do it. I don't know that that's prescribed as much as as it's being described in, in the Bible. That's what always makes me nervous is whenever you, you have a pastor get up and, and – and I'm not laying the, the responsibility solely on the pastor here, but you have a pastor get up and, and tell a story about one of these Christian heroes. And I, that story is a Christian hero type of story. And then someone who – is you know we have um, a lot of young people that have the opportunity during school breaks to go on mission trips for one of them to feel guilty about not being able to generate that income on their own um to feel guilty because well I, you know I just don't have the faith of George that's where I get nervous about when you when you go to one of the well three extremes of this you know the full t- you know the full time fundraising the, the tent making approach or the uh, 
extreme faith approach. I just I get nervous when we shoehorn people out of something because of this super faith story. You, you want to give credit to, to the goodness of God. You want to um, try to in, encourage and inspire that faith in, in your people. But I've, I've seen it tip over and people go, well, you just need to have more faith like George Mueller. Yeah. Well, yeah. If, if this dude's spiritual gift was faith, I don't get to pick that. I can exercise my faith, but if it's not my spiritual gift, you know, I yeah. don't know. No, I, I agree because I think that uh, one of the one of the girls here at the Hall of Dogma Church, um, we do have several that are, that are going on mm-hmm. that have been going on mission trips, and I mean they, you know, um, one of the one of the girls has a particular heart for an area of the world, right. and she's she's continually going back there, and even has talked about perhaps going there full-time at some point. One of the girls is right now getting ready to go to Haiti, mm-hmm. um, and she's fundraised in the past for mission trips, but this time around she had the funds from another source to go on the mm-hmm. mission trip, so she's not fundraising. And I think that's – I think that is – see, to me, that's – that's you see the leading in the spirit, and I think it just changes. When we, when we went to – when we felt by the Lord to adopt, when my wife and I felt called to that um, – you know, straight up to adopt, you know, is costly. And when we looked mm-hmm. at how much it would cost, we did not have the money to do it. We we did not have the money. And I've heard people, I've heard people local here write and talk about that fundraising for adoption is wrong. If you don't have the money to adopt, then you shouldn't then you shouldn't do it. Well, I just think that's silly, you know, because you know, we were led to do that and, and what we did, we saw we saw God. God could have provided that money in any way that he chose, but he chose to provide it by his people. And he gave many people an opportunity to be generous. And, and you know what? It was a partnership in bringing our son home. And even today... A koinonia. A koinonia. Mm-hmm. Even today, I, you know, and as he grows older, I'm going to be able to say this particular fellowship were, was a partner in bringing it's a you home. Beautiful picture of the gospel to him. Yes, yes. This, this, these people gathered together and sacrificed to help bring you here, to help you you come and have a mom and a dad, and and I think that was how God designed it. Now, if God led us to adopt again, and He provided the money from a different source, I wouldn't say. I think if if you know if I were to go, oh well, I'm going to put that money aside, and I'm still going to fundraise, you know. Mm. So I can take that money and spend it on something else. Okay, I think I'm probably in the wrong there. I, it, it's just led by the Spirit based on situation. That's what I think you're looking at. Good. Well, so, well yeah. One thing I will um, – a quick 30-second answer. With the missions trip or the adoption thing, you feel that call. Practically, you don't know how to, to pay for the cost. And the typical strategies to account for it aren't aren't bringing in what you need. Um, does that mean you are wrong or does that mean God has a different idea? You're asking the que- that question. Yes. That's a great question. And here's, here's how I would answer that. If, if you're a person, you're listening to this uh, or, or whatever, you feel called to uh, either a mission trip or a life of missions. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we talked earlier about how do you know this, so you, you know it through discernment. Here, he, and we're going to talk about friendship in a minute. And I think the friendship in the church, I think both these two topics actually play together better than we realize. I think a lot of times we believers, even in independent, uh, you know, it's all about me, America – we need to be tighter together. And, and one of the ways that you know whether you know it's just kind of an impulse you have or, or really the call of God, 
uh, to go on a mission trip is you know it in community with other believers. In other words, you're praying with them. You're talking with them. Uh, that's not an automatic way of knowing God's will. But at the same time, if you're alone on an island, you know, if you're if you're an uh, 18 year old in a household, your mom and dad mm-hmm. are not like kind of thinking you don't need to go on this trip. Your friends are perplexed by it. Well, that's the time to really double down your seeking of God mm-hmm. and to, yeah. and seeking godly counsel yeah. to know if you're called to, to go. Yeah. Lack of funds up front does not mean you're not called to go. Yeah. Sometimes God, for in his wisdom, waits to the end to provide. I've seen that happen here. I've seen some of the people going on mission trips here like literally be to the last, last week minute. or two yeah. and not have the funds, but felt compelled they should go. The people around them felt compelled they should go. Didn't have mm-hmm. any check about it. And God provided mm-hmm. in the end. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. The Bible points us toward a multiplicity of counselors. So I, I really like what you said there. If I was Brad, if I was someone who's kind of in a situation where I've got some people going back and forth about one way is the right way, one the other. You know what? If someone comes to me who is a, is a godly person and they've been praying and they say, I, I feel led to life of missions or this place, and this is how I feel like God is calling me to, you know, raise support or do tip making. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to argue with either one of them. I, I, See if, that, if I don't have a check from the Spirit, and and again, if I don't have a check about it, people around them don't have a check in terms of them going, and it seems like it's a godly work. If they say this is how I feel God's leading me, then then, then I'm going to go with what they're saying, yeah. uh, apart from uh, apart from you know the the a check from the Lord. I think in that community, if you've got somebody that. They're either um, they maybe overcommit themselves, and they're going to go on the mission field, and they're going to work full time. And you know they're an overcommit commitment of themselves, time wise. Maybe you go, well, that's awesome that you're willing to do that, but maybe you ask for some help so you don't have to do it. You, yeah, you you look at the combination this, of both is what you're saying. Well, yeah, you look at the. I guess my thing is look at these people because if you, he in his comment he mentioned that he has it seems like two groups of friends kind of pulling one way or pulling the other. Well. For each of those sets of friends, those may be the right ways f- for them. And if, but if you've got a friend who's asking you to speak into their life, and they go, "Man, I'm really feeling like this tent making thing, but I'm just worried I'm not going to be able to get there," you know, feel that person out too, feel the situation out too. But if it's two factions pulling against one another, it may not be that either one of them is right or wrong. It just may be that's the thing for that group. Yeah. Uh. There, there's an article. I don't like the word factions there, but I understand what you're saying. There's a there's an article in the show notes. We'll move on, but yeah. um, I don't know anything about this website, missionsuntold.com. So you know, if, if somebody somebody writes in and says they're heretics, okay, I just I found an article. It's called Tent Maker versus Full Time. In in the article basically just says both are biblical and it lists out advantages, pros hmm. of, of going full time, pros of tent making, disadvantages to full time, disadvantages to tent making. Just thought it was an interesting article and maybe some food for thought there. Um, I'll wrap up with a quote from one of your heroes, Hudson Taylor. Nice. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. That's hmm. awesome. That's good stuff. Good and hey, just you know, the fact that Brad brought this up, we don't know Brad in person. No. Uh, a lot of guys in the Hall of Dogma, some are in ministry, some are not in ministry. When I think about short-term ministries, uh, missions, one of the great things about it is it gives more people 
in the congregation opportunity to minister. And that expresses one of the great truths that I think the church in America neglects, and that is not merely pastors are called to ministry. Amen. Everybody's called to ministry. And we this is something we talked about today in the Hall of Dogma Church. We've got to do a better job in the churches, in our church, and in in, in the others of mobilizing everybody into their ministry. And for many people, that's going to be missions. We have a friend, uh, Jer- friend Jeremy and Candy. Jeremy was a computer guy uh, and, and, and with no particular theological training at all. Just He was a computer guy in the church, and, and God called his family to give their life to missions. Five kids, six kids, four kids, I mean a lot of kids. Young guy, computer guy. He gets training. Now he's on the mission field in Papua New Guinea giving his life for the gospel, hiking into the bush with his teenage son to share the gospel to unreached tribes. And, and awesome. we need more of that. We need yeah. to see more of that. We we need the kind of George Mueller faith to raise that up and make it happen. Quite a radical change for him and and um, you know his family. I remember they came here right before he went yes. off to training. And so, uh, great story. All right, guys. Uh, topic number two. I think we don't have a ton of time for this, but uh, I think it's a worthy topic. Um, how how can we get past? This is the ultimate theme. How can we get past surface? relationships in the body of Christ? How can we go past merely seeing each other on Sundays uh, and and that's all? I think a lot of times people in the church feel disconnected when they come to a church. They hear about community. They see people loving each other. It it stirs up a desire to go deeper and yet... um, and yet they don't feel like they can plug into that. How do we get past the surface? And I'm, I'm going to read you, I'm going to give you a, an article by Jen Thorne on Christianity.com and then let you guys just give some feedback. She says that here's six costs of real friendships. Number one, real friendships costs personal convenience. Number two, it costs time. Number three, it costs intimacy. Number four, it costs comfort. Number five, it costs prayer. And number six, it costs love. That's her answer to the question. What do you guys think? What, what are we missing in the church? That uh, What are we missing in the church that we don't have now well, that, that, that produces these surface relationships? Where can, how can we get to real gospel, deep fellowship, koinonia partnerships? Um, well, I don't know uh, about maybe missing these in the church i think certainly um perhaps you know we do sometimes uh the two things that pop to my mind right away is number one if if you're going to have these um if you're going to have these deep friendships it's going to cost you time like mm-hmm. you you can't you cannot connect with people unless you're willing to spend time with people and it's not going to have it's not going to happen by sitting in the same pews on Sunday morning for an hour and a half or an hour or whatever your church goes. So in other words, just kind of going into church with someone, sitting there for a while, listening to a sermon, worshiping, talking a little chit-chat after church, and then heading off and not seeing them again for seven more days, you're not going to grow in fellowship with those people. So you're saying real friendship doesn't happen in the church building? It's not. It, well, I guess it could happen in the church building if you were willing to come up here and spend a lot of time in the church building together. You know, if you met here in the building... Uh, but no, yeah, I don't. Ultimately, if if you feel, you know, ultimately, if you're, you know, you don't feel like you have those close gospel friendships. First thing I would say is, okay, are you 
looking are you seeking to invite people to your home or go out to eat with other families or you know invest in them meet them at parks or whatever it may be outside of just the church building on Sunday mornings that's number one number two is I think something we do miss is going on mission with people I think that you see that in the in scripture you see that in acts where it talks about the early church had everything in common um, I think not just in other words just getting together with other Christians, to maybe play some ultimate frisbee. I think that's great. I love that. We do that. Sure. I, we do that. But ultimately, the koinonia gospel partnership, deep friendships, is not going to happen just because you get together and watch a football game or play some sports. It's There's going to be components of you need to go on mission together, you need to be working on discipleship together, and that's where the, the those deeper friendships are going to come from. But I also think that deeper, you know, under and hear, hear what I mean, though. Deeper friendship is not going to occur um, going door to door, witnessing on a Saturday morning by itself either, because you're you're I agree. because you're on a task. And yeah. so while there's there's a camaraderie that develops, just like there's a degree of trust that develops over ultimate frisbee, you've, you've there's there's something else you've got to do as well. That's that's my concern about that. I actually, I was actually convicted about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, First of all, I have to have a really funny aside. Chase, I'm concerned about this website you've linked us to because a suggested article came up, French Kissing Your Enemies. So what in the world? Um, but we, we went to see a football game. It's not the game. kind of holy kiss they talk about in the Bible, Chase. Mm-hmm. You need to uh, need to work on your uh, exegesis there. Yeah. So maybe we'll let Chase talk about that next episode. But oh, if you give me a chance, let me, let me read this quote because that, that's actually funny you mentioned that article, French Kissing Your Enemies. It's by Doug Ponder. It's a it's a What's fascinating. Uh, this is Christianity dot com, which is about as generic as you can get. <laughs> um, not a not a site I'm familiar with, but this is what he says in that article, which I, I thought was pretty profound. Despite the obvious problems, uh, let's see what is the scriptures. Um, let's see, he quotes Proverbs twenty seven six: "Faithful are the wounds of a friend; profuse are the kisses of an enemy." And it says, we are French kissing our enemies while calling them friends and often ignoring true friends who care enough to speak the truth in love. Boom. Okay. Well, I will really read that article. Okay. I just look, I just saw the title kind of come up as I was all skimming your six points there. Well, he's saying profuse are the, he's comparing profuse kisses to French kisses, which, you know, I think is a little bit of a reach, but. There's some truth there. Keep going. So I got convicted about the cost of real friendship a couple of France getting a lot of airplay tonight. There you go. There <laughs> you go. France. Um, but we were at a football game, and I, the, the person I was attending with, I just casually went, you know, it is funny. You can find camaraderie down here by walking down the road and just stating the, the chant or the, the rallying yeah. cry of that team. And I went, so there are hundreds of thousands of friends here. As long as it's about that one thing, yes. they may, they may disagree with everything else in life, and I and I was convicted because I said, "How sad is that? That we can all be friends on a Saturday, but you can't find a you can't find a church building where a dozen of these people would all be able to go and get along when what should be a better rallying cry is the blood of Jesus, that that sacrifice on the cross, that that call to live that way." But yet we can't get along long enough to go to church together. But for an entire Saturday, perfect strangers can get along because of a football team. And I was convicted. That's good. I was convicted by that. And it, and it goes back to this, this thing. You know, there's a, there's a degree of vulnerability 
that that it implies to me because you can play ultimate frisbee and you're never really going deep. You can witness together and be yeah. comrades in arms, but never go deep. There's there's yeah. there's a trust. There is there is a willingness to open up. Now, do those things develop standing by side by side on the spiritual battlefield? Yes. Do those things open up by spending that time together in friendship? But but there has to be a cognitive choice of I am scared to death of this dude, but he has just proven himself to me time and time again, so I trust him. That's and, good. and you're willing to do it. And so you know I like that. So we've got um we've got Spending time together. We've mm-hmm. got going on mission together, working on discipleship, and going deep. Yeah. Opening up, sharing. Trust. Trust with each other. I like that. So. Well, I'll throw, I'll throw one more out. Uh, and maybe this can be a good Hall of Dogma discussion or through the Twitter. Uh, we'll ask you the question, how can we go past surface relationships in the church? And I would say this, and this is one thing, one area of uh, life my wife and I are discussing and trying to make happen but not doing a great job of it yet. Uh, hospitality. Hmm. Elders in particular in Scripture are called to be men who are hospitable. And, and that just simply means having people – welcoming people into your home. And, and I think you know whether you welcome them into your home to pray with them, to eat with them, to watch football with them, to have a game night or whatever it might be. This is the, the kind of the point where, where we're at right now is trying to make time and carve out time, which is hard with busy schedules, sure. busy kids – but to have more people in our home and and seek going deep, being in partnership with them, having time together and intimacy, uh, I think hospitality is a key we're missing in uh, 2014 America that 1950 America probably did not miss nearly That's as much. I have a ebook on Amazon. I'll send you a link to it. But anyway, it's just how to be more hospitable by David McConnell. So I, I need to read that. I can send that to you. I need to read that. Just talks a lot about opening up your home to people. <laughs> well, last night uh, over dinner, Nick and Sorry, I'm Lisa and out Janet and I air. were talking about that at our house, and uh, <laughs> we, we, you know it was kind of a carryover from nice. the week before. Nice. That is awesome. Um, that's good stuff. Hey, uh, if you uh, across the table, hug you. I, I will um, say too. Uh, I know we need to move on, but um, game night at your house. I've or? just always found that, like going back to what you said about the guys and opening up, that seems to be a little bit harder with guys, um, you know, than than women. Women seem to like, you know, really, really open up quickly. But you know, at least with some guys, it seems like it's uh, especially with an older generation. It just seems mm-hmm. like it's a little tough to uh, be, you know to open up. Being careful, I, I will say that my wife has even at times admitted that. You know, there can be a room full of – they. it seems like the ladies here will talk. My wife describes in their meetings, they will begin sharing more quickly than the guys. But even, even Lisa admits that sometimes she struggles necessarily knowing that she can really open up. So yeah. there's there may be a degree of sharing where they're – they're not as concerned with maybe the schedule of their life being more exposed than guys, but opening that door of the heart, so to speak, even she admits that sometimes that's still, so, you know, I understand what you're saying. I just, I I think it may be more widespread across even the genders than we realize. Okay. Let me close with a a quick exhortation along these lines. Very often in the church, there are people 20, 30% 20, 30% of the people who long for deeper friendships, who long for deeper intimacy, who long for deeper community. And so I want to exhort you people that see the need for it, see the lack of it, and desire it. 
Don't spend your time complaining, although it, it's a real, genuine, painful need in the church. This is my exhortation to you people that see this need, and for all of us really, but for particularly the ones that see it. Pursue community relentlessly without being offended when it doesn't happen. Pursue it. That means gather with people who are gathering or invite them to gather with you, mm-hmm. knowing there's going to be rejection, whether it's real or, inten- or unintended. But if you see a lack of community in your home church or in your group, pursue it relentlessly because the body of Christ needs people that will pursue community relentlessly. Amen to that. That's a good word. Agreed. Good word. Amen. Now, do you have some? Uh, um, you have some feedback from the Hall of Dogma. I understand. Well, we're moving into the yep. uh, listener feedback section. We're going to try a little something. I don't know if we'll do this every week or not. But I'm kind of um, talking about uh, maybe highlighting a discussion in the hall mm-hmm. that happens each week. If you're not in the Hall of Dogma, a lot of good discussions going mm-hmm. on there, and so um, we, you know, talk about uh, maybe rather than. Uh, go over several of those, just maybe highlight one each sure. week. So we had one in the hall to highlight from from this week. Yeah, well, and I I had been interested in the the um, the topic because of the Kirk Cameron article I saw, and then Emmanuel um, asked, "Tis the season? What's the hall's take on Halloween horror movies and the like?" Um, he said, "I am a horror movie aficionado, but I know some Christians are leery of such things." Parentheses, even though they'll watch horror movies like God's Not Dead, David. I'm just not. <laughs> I'm and he not. and he said thoughts, and he kind of opened it up for discussion. Um, I had seen Kirk Cameron. The general won't run. God's not dead down to my face. That sounds like <clears> a challenge. L- I'd love to see that play out. Actually, he did when he was here. So never mind. <laughs> there we go. Um, I know. I'm just. I'm hoping for the future. Um, but no, Mr. You know, good old buddy Kirk Cameron. He of um, much astute logic um, and and patience. Um, he he went on. He. I don't know if it's a blog post or what, but ChristianPost.com has an article where he's basically saying um, Halloween should not be something that Christians, you know, push back on or try to separate from, but that it should be the biggest party on the block. And he he basically asserts um, that um, a lot of the quote unquote traditions about Halloween are basically Christian in origin. And I I have not. Yeah, actually, I've never heard that before. Actually, I, I haven't either. I don't know if I've ever heard uh, it gets, heard that. I, it gets posted down. I think, in the, I think um, they talked about it in the hall. It does. It get, the article got posted later on in the hall, but um, you know we kind of started um, with some of the uh, uh, why watch C- Chris. Um, I'm not going to say your name because I'm going to butcher it. Um, but uh, Chris, why watch or be involved in anything that promotes bad things? We we need a, a nickname for Chris. We need a super the European nickname for, oh, Chris, for Chris that uh, will keep us from having to pronounce his last name. See, that's the thing, y'all. Y'all are. Just bold about saying his last name, and I, I refuse to. Right, but I'm, I but am sure really there's an saying. accent involved there that we can't what accurately say? reason. I'm afraid he cringes every time we say his name. What do you say? I say Studard. Studard. Say no. He. We're not saying the same he, thing. We're yeah, not. You're not. And so I just refuse. Chris, I'm here. I know who you are. I just I'm afraid S. of butchering your last Chris name. S. Um, but you know, he he all that doesn't come under the whatever's good, whatever's wholesome. Um, later on. Um, Tristan kind of uh, mentions the stay away from promoting a spirit of fear. Um, too much scripture about that to dabble. Um, uh, Jacob mentions um, he grew up in a ca- in, he grew up trick or treating and planning on allowing children to do so. His is more of a casual participation 
way, um, kind of stays away from the horror, horror movies. And so there's a lot of good discussion. Where do you guys, I'm going to throw it out to you guys real quick. Where do you guys fall on the, the Halloween, scary movies, trick-or-treating, any of the, go throw it to Chase first. Uh, our family does not uh, particularly celebrate Halloween. We are not, um, uh, you know, in other words, we don't dress up and go trick or treating. I did when I was a kid. No big deal. We are not adamant or militant about it. That's just not the thing we do. I will tell you a funny story. Do y'all go um, ask, close the doors, turn off the lights, pretend you're not there? No, we don't do that. We don't sneer at people who do, other Christians. That That's kind of an individual conscience thing. We we don't have a particular... Well, wait a minute. Didn't you post on Facebook last Halloween that if you're a Christian and not in your house by 7 p.m., you're going to hell? I did not oh, okay. post anything like that. But, but, but my funny story is kind of along those lines. Um. Our kids, you know, they've asked about, you know, can we do some Halloween stuff? And we said, with some things like go to fall festivals, we do that. We eat candy, but we don't trick or treat. And at one point, they were asked, this has been years ago, they were asked by some of their friends why they don't do Halloween. And our kids apparently said something along the lines of, because it's Satan's holiday and only people who like Satan celebrate it. And so we got into a real heated conversation with the parents of those friends. Right after we that, like, they um, explained to everybody there was no Santa. So. Well, yeah, that's, because that's wow. another story we'll probably about uh, do in December. Um, but but we didn't tell the kids that. I don't, I'm not even really sure where they got that Uh but personally, we don't do it, and honestly, I don't make a big deal out of it. Look, the best way you can die is to die a martyr. But I'm just going to tell you, I don't want to die on Halloween Hill. I, I you know, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to have a fight wow. with some uh, with people about Halloween. If God hasn't shown you that that's not the thing for your family, that's fine. That's not. I'd rather talk to you about the gospel. I'd rather talk about spiritual gifts. I'd rather. Say I talk about evangelism or whatever. It is not my life's mission, and I've been in churches where their life's mission seemed to be this. Mm-hmm. It's not my life's mission to pull Christians away from Halloween. Right. If the Holy Spirit isn't pulling you away from that, well, then the unholy chase isn't going to spend a lot of time trying to. Yeah, that's kind of where I fall. I mean, it's uh, look, we've changed over the years what we do. Uh, you know, we we you know we've went to fall festival. Look, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't, I don't, you know. To me, going to a fall festival, walking around to a trunk or treat is no different than trick or treating door to door. I mean, it, it's you know, you can tell me. I mean, it's not holy because it's at a church property. I mean, you're you're walking around dressed up, getting candy. It's you know, we don't go house to house. We don't do that uh, primarily because I just you know, I, I you know, one of the safety issues or just I don't really want to get all my kids out in the street and walk around those kinds of things. We don't make a big deal out of it at our house at all. Uh, we don't go inside, shut the door, turn the lights off, and or anything like that. Um, we have went to fall festivals. We have done we've done something at our house where we buy candy for the kids. And uh, this sounds a little silly, but my wife and I will will go uh, you know behind certain you know uh, we'll go hide behind a, a door in the house, and they have to come by and knock on all the doors and open them up, see if they can find us, and then we give them candy. <laughs> so I mean, we've done silly things with our kids just to have fun and and eat candy and all that. But I I'm like Chase. I'm on die on Halloween Hill. I like that. Um, it's just a to me, I, I, I really put it along the same lines of Paul's discussion in the New Testament about Christians eating meat sacrificed to idols. To yeah. me, it's along the lines of, you know, you, you, you're free there um, it, by your conscience to, uh, you know, to do what, you know, what you feel led to do that night. If it's really bothering someone else, 
um, be careful about that and avoid um, for the for the sake of your own conscience uh, causing someone else to stumble. But be led by the Holy Spirit. Pray about it. Think about it. Talk about it with your family. Be led by the Spirit what you should do. I don't know how you – look, dressing people up as demons or the devil or witches or whatever and, and you know – I, that's probably it's hard to make a case for that as Christians. Well, see, that's that's no one of the things what, that you know, like like some of those guys are saying, dabbling in the evil. Yeah, uh, I, I don't don't celebrate. You know, that's the thing. I mean, we don't celebrate evil, but I think just because you get candy or go to a fall festival on Halloween does not mean you're celebrating evil. So I think there's a dividing line there. Well, that's what he's. That's what actually what comes up in the Kirk Cameron article. Early on, Christians would dress up in costumes as the devil, ghosts, goblins, and witches precisely to make the point that those things were defeated and overthrown by the resurrected Jesus Christ. I've, I've honestly never... That's the first time I think I've ever actually heard that. I know the... Um, is, it, is it All Saints Day? Is it the holiday in Mexico? Um well, I mean, a, a lot of a lot of people celebrate All Saints Day, uh, but they they basically dress up as the dead so that the dead who walk the earth will won't recognize them as humans and will leave them alone. I, so there's there's just a lot of traditions in it that make that. I like what Emmanuel says. Um, he basically says there are so many histories. There are several histories of Halloween's. I'm not sure which one is is true, and that's that's what's troubling for me. We went to charismatic church growing up to the degree of, it was very focused on the spiritual, and so you know there was a lot of talk about about the spiritual and just the the ideas of so many Halloween traditions seem to, to dip into that into a way that I'm just not terribly comfortable with, that it just – I just kind oh, yeah. of stay away I from understand. it. Um, because, you know, I, th- I think we play too fast and loose with the supernatural, um, right. especially in the, in the darkness front. The, the things that – you know, and this goes back to a little bit of, you know, the discussion we had in the hall about alcohol, honestly. But there's so many things associated with Halloween that, I, that just make me too nervous. You know, you have, you have little kids getting far too comfortable with the demonic. Um, it, it just it, – it puts it too close to – to home, and then as people get older, it becomes an excuse to um, <laughs> dress like and act like things they never would in a given day. And it just, it, to me, it, it it seems to promote nothing profitable. Yeah. And that's and that's for me. Um, I like a, I like a lot of the discussion. As we said before, I appreciate everybody being willing to talk about it and um, respect yeah, each job, other in the hall of dogma. Good job. And look, I, I love it. And because you know, Tristan, and I, I actually work with um, Tristan. We talked about it. As an aside, he's like um, – he talked about – I just get nervous. And we had a good conversation. Just He talked about I get nervous um, you know, when people want to scare one another. Apparently, some of his family members like, like – they like to do the scary movie marathons. And he's like, you know, the Bible clearly encourages us to stay away that, from that spirit of fear. And we're we promoting have, it. We have, family, it. we have family gatherings um, – that we have been invited to before on Halloween that, that I won't take my kids yeah. to because they just go, it's it's way too much. Mm-hmm. And again, that's my personal conviction. It's not to go in the door. It's not to go in my house and shut the door and turn off lights. But there's certain things I'm going to stay away from. I mean, there's some family gatherings that I'm, I would stay away from because of what they do there. So my I, my exhortation on this, you gave one on the last one. I'll give an exhortation here just to, you know, to, to Christians. Just don't, don't kill community over this issue. I've just seen so many times where these Christians just get into fights over, maybe not fights, but just disagreements, and they, they run the risk of, of, of ruining unity over whether or not you should 
participate in Halloween or whether or not you should have a Christmas tree at your house or whether or not, you know, just there's enough issues in the world. We need to we need to be united around Christ and these, you know, there, there's some hills to die on, but Christmas tree hill, Halloween hill, <laughs> those are not hills. <laughs> those are not hills to kill Christian community over. Have yeah. a good discussion, there have a good are. dialogue over it, but not... You know, don't be in disunity with someone sure. because you have a different view on Halloween from them. Well, and if oh, I was going to say, if if you really are concerned about it, um, check out the hall. Take Dan Richardson's um, advice just for something different. I'm thinking about handing out copies of Luther's 95 Thesis, uh, probably strapped to some kind of chocolate bar. Genuine knocking on my door. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, he also said maybe gummy worms. So it would be oh, okay. Like the- Diet of Worms. So, all right, good, oh. great discussion. All we appreciate that. We want to get to a little bit more feedback this week. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we go any further, I want to take a quick second and do a, a shout out to um, Buddy Virus, friend of the show, um, Doctor Septum himself, Kevin Small. Um, he's got a new um, blog he's been working on. Um, very ministry minded in his in his uh, heart and focus behind that. It's called MyHopeJourney.co. Um, it's a blog he's doing about kind of a journey his family is on, has been on, and, and will continue to be on for, for a little while now. Um, I, I'll, I don't want to speak too much for Kevin as it's, uh, <laughs> it's word-oriented and he can speak for himself there. But go ahead and check that out, myhopejourney.co. Um, again, he's ministry-minded in what he's doing. want to kind of chronicle a journey there and um, give God glory, but also kind of be honest about some of the things there. And so... I've been blessed in what I've read of it. I, I, I believe you will be too. And um, like I said, good friend of the show. And just wanted to give him give him a shout out, give him a share, give him a like, uh, those kind of things, and kind of spread the word about that for us, if you will. Appreciate that. Love you, Kev. We'll move over to the Twitter for a moment. We're uh, uh, at Funky Stickman uh, tweeted us from episode 21. He said, Geek Quiz, I built many Socket 7 computers. That was the original Pentium socket, also the AMD K5K6 and Cyrix 6X86. Funky Stick Man, if you are going to tweet us, please speak English. because I, <laughs> I was just about to say, at Jeff, I, I yield my nerd card to you. That was impressive. <laughs> you should just come pick it up. Yeah, I love it. I'll dog. email it to him. I'm not going to say where you work, but you are a uh, IT manager I've kind been, of guy. Aren't I've you? been in IT for 15 or so That's years, right. but uh, I, I, I very you, quickly right? in early in my career got off into the the people management and business process management. And so I see you don't, you don't You're have like to Jen in the it crowd. You <laughs> just kind of manage people, right? David's I, Twitter profile used to say it professional for like a day until I saw it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Whatever. I, it's I, okay. I mean, you clearly know how to use a laptop. You have one in front of you and it's I not know, on fire. I know people and that's what you need to, understand. to know to manage. So, at Let There mm. Be Movies said, Note to self, don't work out at the gym while listening to At My Gospel Friends. Giggling in the middle of a squat is awkward. You know what else is awkward? <laughs> the word squat. And giggling. And giggling together. However, he did tell us, um, actually, I, I, I must just say, I, I'm assuming At Let There Be Movies is a guy. That's best, considering the context of the message, to assume that. Okay, so uh, he did say, seriously, some of the best marriage commentary and advice I've ever heard. Great stuff, stealing it all, <laughs> and you are welcome to all of it. Take it. No longer we stealing. probably stole it from someone else. <laughs> At Left of Center Podcast, LOC Podcast, said, Gospel Friends, we checked out the newest podcast. We needed a follow-up. Do any of your wives love Channing Tatum? Nick, did you check? 
Well, not. that's a, that's a loaded <laughs> silence, not. isn't it? Um, I did I did verify with my wife that uh, you know she's not. Uh, I, I you know she never really gave me a straight answer. Now that I think I don't I don't think she's it wasn't like hey yeah he's great but you know. See, I'm scared to go back down this road because of what happened after the show last week. You're probably right. We need to we'll, we'll, we'll throw that. We'll, now, we'll let people tune into that. I think it's a fair question, but I'm just – I'm nervous about ask, answering because of uh, what may or may not happen to our audio. That's true. Yes. Let's Alexandria Romano <laughs> wrote us and said, just a shout-out to my new favorite podcast, At My Gospel Friends, who I have been accidentally calling Happy Gospel Friends. Hashtag Alaska loves you. Well, she has thank never you, seen Alaska. I, we love you too. I, yes, we, we love do. you, Alexandria. Look, happy gospel friends is fine. I'm, I'm cool. With that, that actually sounds kind of uh, uh, happy gospel friends. Kind of cool. Kind of uh, maybe Japanese anime. Kind of. I don't I, know. I'm happy most of the time. You two, you two, cranksters or not? Don't make me nuke you, Moody's. But uh, hey, we heard from Alaska. I'm not Moody. That's weird. But Hashtag yeah. Alaska loves you. That is awesome. That like, is she awesome. just took she just took the entire state and just said, "Hey, we we all love you." Yes. I mean, how many of them are oh, there? I like the twenty five. We welcome you, awesome Alaska people. One of the states I would totally love to visit. So you told us earlier, by the way, talking about states, yes. uh, you were running down kind of the statistics there on the the um, like the where we are right now. Yes. I forgot what you said. Um, I have a tendency to not listen a lot, but uh, I noticed that. What was the what was the top one? Talking and not listening. The top states as far as listeners to yeah. the show. Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll talk a little bit of stats for a moment. Um, the show is most popular in our home state of Alabama. Sweet Next home Alabama. Most popular Tide, in Texas, then Georgia, then Ohio, then Arkansas, Michigan, Virginia, Tennessee, California, New York, Florida. Um, the funny thing to me okay. is – You just named every state around us except one. Exactly. That's the funny thing to me is that the, the show is quite popular in the southeast where, where we are except for one state, and that is Mississippi. There are uh, – you know, that's probably – They've heard us talk about football. 10 or 20 Mississippi listeners to the show, but there are more listeners to our show in the Philippines, oddly enough. Than in Mississippi. Than Mississippi. Yeah. All right, Mississippi, you got to step it up. More well, listeners only... to our show in North Dakota than Mississippi. Now, what is up, Mississippi? I'm not we sure. Love you. Do they have internet throughout the state oh, of Mississippi? My. I think we got down in, near the oh, coast my. in Jackson. I think do I we figured have, out why do we, we don't have so many. We may not have in Mississippi, I mean, or why we're going to lose the ones we do have now. Some type of communication device to the outside world is necessary to get our podcast. And Mississippians, you can send your pro- protest to J. David McConnell. Look, it's only I, it's possible that I'm just a tad bit upset at Mississippi. Yeah, especially the people from football wise. Yes, Mississippi. So. But what do you have against Paducah, Kentucky? Oh, I look, they're fine. I just, you know, it's actually Paducah. I've been on. Yeah, it's just such it's just a, a funny word. name. You know, because we live in, which is. Wait a minute. Not We're not a weird supposed name. to say where we are, right? Because that lets our enemies know where we are. Oh, My bad. Not um, other. Uh, yes. You can find I'm us in. So, I'll move uh, you around school. We had some voicemails this week, Nick. Uh, you want to you play those up? We, had, uh, we heard from uh, uh, Tony Vance this week on the voicemail, who um, actually is, uh, has, has come up with a uh, superhero name for himself. Well, don't I think spoil inspired it. by. Um, Captain Cadaver. All right, we're going to go ahead and play that now. Yeah, this is 
Tony Vance. Uh, I've got three quick points. First point, number one, um, you won't put this on the show. I think we've determined now that if you say that, you get on the show. So hopefully that works. Number two, as a uh, uh, someone who gets on the show or mentioned on the show often, it would be really cool if I got a name. I've been thinking about this. And since I'm a funeral director, how about the director? I don't know. Sounds cool to me. And number three, you guys are really doing a great job. Uh, it blesses me to know that there are people out there who love the Lord, believe in God's Word, and has a good time. That's all I got. Thanks, guys. All right, that was a good voicemail. He did all the right things. Number one, he challenged us. That's right. Number two, a he... A dare. Com- we'll always yeah. respond to a dare. Number two, he complimented us. Also and, strong. And Instrumental so, for David. And so, Thank you. And so Thank three, you, he gets his wish, and from now on, he'll be the director. I like so it. I do have to ask, is he trying to usurp us? Because, you know, technically, Nick Fury, the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., he's not in charge of the Avengers, but he kind of oversees them. So is he trying to make a power play there? We, Maybe. Right, but we'll, that's okay. We'll allow it because we'll, he complimented us yeah. and dared us. We did. And we'd squash him. Wow. Wow. Dang, man. You're just making enemies left and right here today. Tony knows I... I, I you know, I, I'm just messing with him. Okay. He's fine. He knows us by now. Yeah. Wow. What, what's, Sorry. What's you will be here for known as. What was our. Here for uh, two known as. What were we going to put on our soon to be gospel friend t shirt? Me and you talked about last week. What was it? Uh, the quote we were going to put on the back of the gospel friend t shirt. Uh, I did not mean to offend you. That was just a bonus. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's awesome All right, about uh, that. So this next voicemail. I'm just going to let you hear it. Okay, so guys, this voicemail totally reminds me of one of the greatest unsolved mysteries in American broadcast history. I love that show, Unsolved Mysteries. Well, this is this is one of the good ones. In 1987, in Chicago, Illinois, a Max Headroom person broke into a TV signal uh, that was broadcasting. I think it was uh, on WGN or something like that. Broke in, hacked into the signal, and was broadcast live into homes all around. And it was a Max Headroom guy who did a bunch of bad, weird, crazy stuff. So that kind of reminded me a little bit of that. That's my first comment. Worth looking into. But he does – and we've lost David. Nice. I, I recognize the music. That well, guys, music I'll, is creepy. It yes, is creepy. it is. It's very creepy. But is it creepy because the music's creepy, or is it creepy because we watch... Okay, seriously. Sorry, Thanks. but I just love that. It but is. Is, it, is it creepy because we watched all the shows, and what happens after it? Both. 
I think both. both. But Max asks a great question. What I mean, uh, the situation he says is that there's a church. If you didn't understand the email, there's a large church in our, our area. Uh, yes, I'm sorry. Voicemail. In his area, a large short church in his area, where apparently a lot of uh, single Christians hook up, and uh, it, there's known to be some some level of affairs and things like that happen. What responsibility does a ch- does church leadership in a huge church like that have for something like that? Well, the first thing we've got to do is if we have churches, if our churches are um, wait, guys, guys. He he asked the general. Oh, see, I don't. I, good point. Look, I th- I think we all have an opinion, a, but I think we have to defer. Well, let's wait until the general's on the show again. Right. What what is that going to be? Two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen. General, we we've got. We're looking general. for an answer here. Uh, I think he I think he needs to come and and respond. I think he needs to come and well, let's make it especially happen. to Max Headroom soon. Yeah, it needs to happen soonish. Can it happen next week? Oh, we'll I have, have to find that? out. Okay, stay okay. tuned. Okay, let's. Uh, I, I want to get to. I'm going to play the unsolved music. <laughs> All right, I want to. I want to. I want to end with the, uh, the 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 ten highest paid pastors because I want to see if you're on, oh. on where all that list <laughs> I thought you were. But um, but but uh, wow. before uh, we get there, a couple things. Number one, join the Hall of Dogma just to hear the generals. Uh, what the I Gospel learned. Friends episode twenty one out of context. Well, I think I'm actually going to put that yeah. in the feed. So oh, that's going to go in the feed. It is. Okay. So right. what you'll see, um, I'm hoping you're listening to this first because if not, I am sorry for what you've already heard. What if, what if the out of context episodes ends up being like the, like somebody just clicks on it, <laughs> the thinking most popular. That's the, no, they, oh, they think oh, it's our podcast and they click on it. Well, then they're going to think we're three weird, messed up guys for for sure. <laughs> well, everybody thinks that already. Yeah, pretty more okay. so. All right. Um, what I'm gonna, what you're going to see in the feed uh, if you're if you're not part of the Hall of Dogma, um, you won't. I don't know that you've had a way to see this yet, but um, the general um, he has been doing a what I learned from episode of such and such of the Gospel Friends, and we've had a couple people um, throw those in there. Have been loving reading those. Um, but but this week, um, a audio file was placed in the Hall of Dogma, and when when I saw it, I listened to about thirty seconds of it, and I immediately I think I stopped mid conversation with somebody and walked straight to David's cube and said, "You have got to listen to this," and we proceeded to not be able to breathe, laughing so hard. Yeah. Um, now it is out of context, and so what the general does is utilize some uh, well placed audio clips of last week um, to. Um, reveal some things about our personalities. And so enjoy that, but please understand it is it is in good fun amongst some people who take um, our, our roles and our faith very seriously, but it's also a bunch of friends who love picking on one another. And so it's in good fun, um, but just it's drastic out of context, be warned. So there you go. There you go. Indeed. Okay, we'll close out with this. I don't even know what kind of commentary we're going to have on it because we're out of showtime. But at least you'll know who are the top 10 richest pastors in the world, according to richestlifestyle.com. Oh, richestlifestyle.com. And um, just to maintain our journalistic integrity, I have no idea how reliable they are or not. So there you go. Here is the mostly useless list of top 10 richest pastors in the world. Number 10, Joseph Prince. He's from Singapore. Perhaps you've seen his... Uh, Isn't he a newer guy? He is a newer guy, has a distinctive haircut, pastor of New Creation Church, and best-selling author. He is worth $5 million. 
Wow. wow. Not bad. And, and in fact, I bet he we, could afford an iPhone 6 Plus. I bet he could too and get it shipped around uh, for lots of 20s. All right. Number, <laughs> uh, number nine, Chris Akoti from Nigeria. Pastor Akoti is worth $10 million uh, and owns a, uh, a Hummer, a Rolls Royce, a Porsche, and a Mercedes S6000. You're going to find a theme wow. here, by the way, speaking of Nigeria. Hmm. Number eight, Matthew Ashimilowo, who is also worth $10 million, pastor of Kingsway International Christian Center, uh, which is in the United Kingdom. But Ashimilowo, who I have no idea if I'm pronouncing his name properly or not, was from Nigeria. Number seven, TB Joshua, Nigeria. Number six, TD Jakes, America. Number five. $18 million. Oh, yes, right. Eighteen million. Number five, Billy Graham, United wow. States, twenty-five million. Wow. Number four, Creflo Dollar, twenty-seven million, United States. Number Actually, three, think, uh, isn't uh, Creflo Dollar um, Dan Richardson's favorite pastor? Isn't he? I don't think I'm going to agree with that. And when you wake up in the morning <laughs> with a boomerang between your eyes, a we're going to know what happened, why eyes. that happened. Yes. Dan, just messing around, buddy. Just messing around. Yes, and he'll just be messing around when he hurls that thing in your direction. Number three, Benjamin Hinn, better known by his uh, sobriquet, Benny, net worth $42 million. That's a lot of money. Number two, Um, Chris Oyaka Hilome from Nigeria, worth $50 million. So the prosperity gospel actually works for some. The pastors. It works for getting money. Okay. Just, you know. Oh, good point. Is that the important thing? If it is, that's the the flavor you want to go for. Jesus, juice. He did. Boom. Number one, David Oyedepo. $150 million, according to this uh, unsourced article on a website I don't know anything about. Five out of the ten. Richest pastors in the world, Nigeria. What is going on? Serious question. Like, what's okay. going on in Nigeria and for with the gospel? No. Is it just prosperity gospel teachers running amok there? And <laughs> this this article would seem to say so. Now, now look. I mean, to be fair, all right. Hang on. Billy Graham's on this list. Billy Graham is not a prosperity gospel teacher. I, I don't really know about a lot of these guys and whether or not they are. But it 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 is. I mean, when you have, would you say five out of the ten? Five out of the ten. Of the richest Nigeria. pastors in the world, all in Nigeria. Yes. That's an interesting, we don't have time to uh, investigate that on the show, but I, that's, uh, that's interesting. Maybe, maybe, we need to, maybe we need to talk about that one day. I, I think research. it's worth talking about. I know that uh, Pastor Tabidi Anyabwili, which I know I'm not saying his last name correctly, he wrote an article last year, I think it was, really calling out he focused on charismatic churches if I, but the, there is an infection of prosperity gospel in Africa that seems much more concerned with prosperity much less concerned with gospel yeah. look may the prosperity part of that fall down and may the gospel part of it increase we need more pastors focused on gospel and not worried about prosperity because we follow a savior who when he was on this world had no place to lay his head and i don't think that you know it's it's silly to me to think about all of these guys drowning in millions in a world where 
there's such great need for the gospel and other things. Amen. Amen to that. Amen to that. Good job. Normally we finish the show kind of on a funny note. That wasn't a very funny article. Well, I do have a question as we get ready to head out of here next time. I hope time. it's funny. Well, I don't think it's funny. And the whiplash resumes. Go I don't think it's funny. It's just uh, just more of a you know pondering the future, pondering leaving episode 22, going into episode 23, and just wondering what you guys are going to do when the general you know, runs wild on you. <laughs> Anywho... Well, he's going to take your place after Dan kills you this week, so we should be fine for whenever that happens. Oh, my. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week in some form or fashion. At least two of us. Most of us. Out. Out.